0: All right, how many are happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Can you say amen? amen. Uh, while I'm finding my place, uh, I want to I tell you a um, uh, wonderful report. I'm down 31 pounds as of this morning. Um, many of you know I've been on, I have been on blood pressure medication for more than a decade. Uh, I was on 20 mil, uh, 10 milligrams of lisinopril for seven years. And then about three years ago, the doctor upped it to 20 milligrams. Uh, Most of you know I was hospitalized uh, last November and in January again. Both times, my blood pressure was off the charts. And after I was hospitalized in January, the doctor told me, we're going to need to double your blood pressure medication dosage again because your blood pressure is not controlled at 20 milligrams. We're going to need to up it to 40 milligrams. So that's what I was told in January um, well about three weeks ago I started to feel really really sluggish I would wake up in the morning just feeling thrashed and all day long I felt thrashed and I would take naps take I take three-hour naps in the middle of the day and I couldn't figure out why I felt so sluggish and then all of a sudden it dawned on me that I had lost 25 pounds but I was taking the same blood pressure medication dosage that I was taking 25 pounds ago and so I cut it in half and I woke up the next morning feeling great And uh, that lasted for about a week, and then I started feeling super sluggish again. So I found my blood pressure cuff, and I said, I'm going to monitor this, and I started taking my blood pressure, and I saw that it was really low. So I called the advice nurse the other night, and I said, I'm going to read to you my blood pressure readings for the last three days. And I read them to him, and he's taking notes, and he said... I'm scheduling an appointment for you to see your doctor next week. Between now and then, keep taking your blood pressure medication. I mean keep taking taking your blood pressure readings, but do not take your medication because your blood pressure is way too low. I want you to know that for the last 6 days, I've not taken any blood pressure medication and my blood pressure is perfect. Every morning and every night That, and I've got a, I've got an appointment on Wednesday to see my doctor, and I just believe my doctor is going to look at, I'm going to take my blood pressure cuff in there and show her all of the readings over the last week and a half. Say, look at this, this is where my blood pressure's at with no medication, and she's going to say, get rid of that stuff, because you don't need it anymore. Come on, somebody. So I'm so thankful to God. You know, my my goal for this year is to put as much distance between me and death as possible. I have been living too close to death. If You you find yourself flirting with death. You notice that David fought Goliath with a sling, not a sword. He said, that guy represents death. I'm not fighting it up close. I'm not going to get into hand-to-hand combat with death. I'm going to get a sling. I'm going to stand afar off. It's not getting close to me. Some of you have been fighting death with a sword. Oh. You need to put your sword away and take out your sling and stand back. Yeah. Amen? Amen. It's interesting. We're supposed to be close to the Lord and far from death. Some of us live close to death, but far from the Lord.
1: Mercy, <laughs> mercy.
0: You're slingshotting your praise to the Lord from afar, oh. but your arm wrestling death up close. Oh. You got to put distance between you and death. Yeah. And increase your your closeness to the Lord. Up close and personal. Amen? All right, that had nothing to do with my sermon for today. I'm going to read to you just a couple verses here in in, uh, John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 34. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I'm going to focus here on 35. Do you not say, There are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already ripe for harvest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray today that you speak to us mightily by the power of your word and by the power of your spirit. This is my last chance for the next 13 weeks to speak to these sons and daughters of yours. (laughs) And so I do pray that you would anoint these words and give me clarity in my mind and heart that the word would be yours and not mine, and that it would reap a harvest. I pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I want you to imagine for a moment what it would be like to be Jesus who is walking with his disciples over a period of three and a half years, knowing in his heart that he's only got three and a half years.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: If you're Jesus and you're walking with your disciples for a period of three and a half years, Mm. you would spend every moment of that three and a half years preparing them Mm. for your eventual departure. Jesus was preparing them for his eventual departure even when they did not know he was preparing them for his eventual departure. Embedded in his teaching was what was necessary to prepare them for his eventual departure, knowing... I'm going to leave one day, and you're going to have to learn how to get along without me. I'm going to leave one day, and when I leave, you're going to have to lead. When I leave, you're going to have to lead. Now, he knew that from day one, his disciples could not take it if he told them on day one, by the way, I'm getting ready to leave in about three years. And so he waited till probably a few months before he left. To let them know that he was about to leave. Even though he knew the entire time that he only had about three years with them. The interesting thing to me is if I were Jesus and I had 12 disciples that I had to prepare to be the foundation stones of the church. Knowing that they would be responsible for writing the foundational documents of the New Testament. For leading the early church. And that everything that everyone would know and believe about me if I were Jesus would depend on what these 12 men say and do. I think I would have had some different priorities than Jesus had. Uh I would have made them get up every morning at 5 a.m. to pray. Right? Y'all, get up, you lazy lima beans. Get up and pray. Have you noticed that never in the Gospels except one place did Jesus require his disciples to pray. Oh. And even in that one place he didn't require them, he asked them. Yeah. And even when he asked them, it was only three of them. Wow. Yeah. And it was in the Garden of Gethsemane the night he was betrayed and all he said was, could you just pray with me for an hour? Yeah. Wow. Wow. His number one priority was not teaching them the discipline of prayer.
1: Yeah.
0: Doesn't mean prayer is not important. Yeah. Huh. It simply means that his priority was not the discipline of prayer. In another place, he taught them the values that give birth to a powerful prayer life. And he did it very matter-of-factly. It was in Luke chapter 11, and he was praying in a certain place, and one of the disciples said, can you teach us to pray the way John taught his disciples to pray? And he said, sure, no problem. And and then in response, he gives them a children's prayer. (laughs) When you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation but delivers from evil. That's all you got to do. And we've read that for centuries and thought that the prayer was simply something to be, to recite. It's a bedtime prayer. It's a morning time prayer. And what we begin to realize is that when Jesus gave them that prayer, he was not giving them a formula to recite. He was giving them the hierarchical articulation of his value system. He says, let me tell you why I pray the way I pray. Because first I value the Father. I start with the Father. I value the Father. I value His home in heaven. I value the holiness of His name, the coming of His kingdom, the fulfillment of His will, the conformity of earth with heaven, the provision of daily bread, the forgiveness of sins, divine direction, and deliverance from evil.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: In that order, Jesus says, you want to pray the way I pray, you got to pray in the order I pray. Yeah. If you feel that your prayer life is shallow, maybe you're starting in the wrong place. Yeah. You wake up in the morning and the first thing you ask for is daily bread, but yeah. you didn't go to the Father. Wow. You haven't said nothing about heaven yeah. or the holiness of his name. Yeah. You haven't asked for his kingdom to come yeah, yeah, or his yeah. will to be done. Yeah. Yes, you can ask for daily bread, but not till you've come to the Father. Yeah. Not till you've yeah. acknowledged yeah. his home yeah. in heaven. Jesus, yeah. and he yeah. gave it to him so quickly as if to say here are the values. Value these things in this order and yeah. you'll pray the way I pray. And then he moves on.
1: Yeah, that's
0: so good. I would have given him theology lessons. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Three and a half years, that's not even a B.A. First day, I would have given him a syllabus. Here's the books you're going to read. We're going to pray from 5 to 7. Then I'm going to lecture from 7 to 9. We're going to take a one-hour breakfast break. I'm going to lecture from 10 to noon. One-hour lunch break, I'm going to lecture from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. 5 to 6, you're going to pray. Hey, I only got three years. Y'all need to take this seriously. (laughs) But he didn't give them any theology lessons. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Instead, what does he do? He just kind of walks around Galilee. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. walks. So what are we supposed to do? Come and follow me. Yeah. And he just walks. Yeah. Where are we going? For a walk. Yeah. Huh. And then after a while, every once in a while, he'd sit down on a mountain. And everybody would sit down. And he'd say, blessed are the poor in spirit. <laughs> I still hear it in the King James, you know, <laughs> with a British accent, you know. Because yeah. Jesus spoke. With a British accent, yeah. <laughs> for theirs is the kingdom of God. He didn't teach them the doctrine of the Trinity, the doctrine of oh, baptism. He didn't. Oh, he didn't give them any theology. Yeah, What's yeah, up with yeah. that? Huh, huh. He simply revealed to them who He is, wow. because theology is simply correctly knowing who Jesus is. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all. That's all theology is. Yeah. Is me. Do you realize that when they saw Him in His re- in His resurrected body, the first thing they said was, "My Lord and my God." Yeah without ever getting a theology lesson in the presence of the king of kings and lord of lords, you know he's God. And if you don't know he's God, you ain't met him yet.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: But what he does do, sometimes very subtly and sometimes very explicitly, Yeah is he begins to affect their mindset. He begins to teach them things that are designed to attack their mindset because he knows what they're going to be tempted to feel on that day when they're standing with him on the Mount of Olives and he ascends to heaven before their very eyes. He knows that they're going to be tempted to feel, there goes the neighborhood. Mm. It's all downhill from here. The miracle worker just left. Ain't going to be no more miracles. Mm. The teacher just left. Ain't going to be no more teaching. The preacher just left. Ain't going to be no more preaching. Who's going to draw the multitudes now? Can't walk on water without him here. He knew that they were going to be tempted to see him go and think that along with him is going the kingdom and the power and the glory and the testimony and the presence of God and the word of God. And so very early on, he began to plant seeds of their destiny in their hearts and minds so that on the day they saw him go, yeah. What had already been implanted in their heart and mind was a different mindset. Instead of believing that because he's leaving, there's going to be a decrease in power, a decrease in glory. He already implanted in their hearts and minds that when I leave, there's going to be an increase. Yeah, yeah. Good. He said in John chapter 14, verse 12. He said, he who believes in me, the works that I do. Mm-hmm will he do also. Actually, chapter 12, verse 14, I, I mm. flipped that. He who believes in me, the works that I do, will he do also.
1: Yeah.
0: And greater works than these shall he do.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because I go to the Father.
1: Yeah.
0: You see, if you think it's going to be less than because I'm going away, when Jesus said it was going to be greater than because he's going away, then you must think I'm greater than Jesus. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Did you hear that? you hear that? If you think it's going to be less than over this summer because I'm going away and Jesus said it was going to be greater than when he went away, you must think I'm greater than Jesus. That's idolatry. Come on. Yeah. If Jesus is greater than me, which he is, and he said it is expedient for you that I go. yeah, 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 yeah. Because when I go, there's going to be an increase for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And if Jesus is greater than me, and it's greater for you when he goes, how much greater for you is it that I go? Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: He knew yeah. that one day I'm going to ascend from heaven before their very eyes, and they're going to be tempted to think, hmm. now we simply have to hold out until he comes.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> one day he's coming again, and then there will be a revival. One day he's coming again, and then people are going to be saved. One day he's coming again, and then there's going to be miracles. Yeah, yeah, One yeah. day he's coming again, and we simply have to tolerate the decrease and the lack wow. and the absence wow. and the, the poverty yeah. and, and the lowness. Yeah. And we just have to tolerate it, and we have to occupy till he comes. And the way we define occupy till he comes is just hold out. Just hold, just hold on. Don't expect nothing good to happen. Just hold on. Just hold, hold. What was that old song? We we are soldiers. Anybody know that? In the army, we have to fight, although we have to die. And then the song goes, we have to hold out the blood banner. We have to hold it out until we die. Yeah. He said his church would be a glorious church, but we've turned it into a pathetic church. Yeah, 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 yeah. A church of folks that are simply waiting around to die. Mercy. So early on, he starts to give them things like, you know, the parable of the, of the talents yeah. in Matthew 25, 14 and following. In the parable of the talents, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who went away on a long journey, but before he left, he called his own servants to, them and, to him and delivered his goods to them. And to one, he gave five talents. A talent was a, a measure of something, a talent was actually uh, one year's wages. Mm-hmm. So he gave one five talents, he gave him five years' wages. The second, he gave two talents. That's two years' wages. The third, he gave one talent. That's one year's wages. And then he left. He gave it to them to steward. He left. The first two understood his expectation. The third one did not understand his expectation. The first two understood... If the master has entrusted talents to me, I have a responsibility to work to multiply those talents in his absence. Yeah. The third one thought, we have to hold out <laughs> the blood-stained bat. Just yeah. hold it out yeah. until we die. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so he took his one talent and buried it in the ground. But the, the one with five went to work yeah. and traded with those five talents and got five more. The one with two went to work and trade. Let's see, they had this mind. What he wanted to give his disciples was a mindset of multiplication, yeah, 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 yeah. a mindset of increase. Yeah. When the master goes away, he's going to deliver his goods to you, and you're going to take those goods, and you're going to multiply them in his absence. And when he comes back, you're going to have more than you had when he was there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mindset of multiplication starts with a mandate of multiplication. The mandate was he was communicating very clearly to his disciples, you are expected to multiply. Yeah. You are not expected to stay the same. You are expected to multiply. Even the talk of stewardship, stewardship without multiplication, you're simply stewarding the little that you have.
1: Yeah.
0: But you are expected not only to steward what you have, but to multiply what you have. You are expected to increase yeah. and not decrease. That's,
1: right. yeah. That's right. Amen.
0: And so he tells us about the parable of the talents. In another place, he talks about the parable of the minas, which was a similar parable. It was a sum of money. In another place, he talked about the foolish virgins and the wise virgins. Yeah. The the bridegroom was away. Yeah. Notice in so many of his parables, somebody is away. Yeah. The master's away. The bridegroom is away. Yeah. He's preparing his disciples. I'm going away, but I need you to have the right mindset when I'm away. Yeah. 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 And he said, when the bridegroom was away, there were five foolish virgins. They had the wrong mindset, but yeah. there were five wise virgins. Yeah. The five foolish virgins said to themselves, Since the bridegroom is away, I think I'll visit other churches for a while. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah. The foolish virgin said, Since the bridegroom is away, I guess I'll stop tithing for a while. Oh my gosh. The foolish virgin says, since the bridegroom's away, you know what? I'll take a break over the summer too. Maybe I won't serve a ministry for a while. Since the bridegroom is away, I think I'm gonna take it easy and come to church 30 minutes late every Sunday for a while. Since the bridegroom is away, the foolish virgins were not ready. Yeah. But the wise virgin said, we're going to keep our wicks trimmed. We're going to keep oil in our lamp and we're going to stand at the door and be ready because we don't know when he's coming, but we know that when he's coming, we should be in multiplication mode, yeah. not yeah. decrease, but increase. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's good. Amen. Yeah. And then when Jesus stands on the Mount of Olives, And just as he's about to descend into heaven before their very, or ascend into heaven before their very eyes, he says, go into all the world, you guys, and make disciples of all nations. You know why he had to tell them that? Because they had it in their mind. We're just going to bring everybody to him and let him make disciples. Just no, 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 you.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You know what people used to do in the church? You know what people used to do? Let me give you my pastor's number. you meet somebody on the street that needs prayer here's my pastor's cell phone number I used to have all kinds of random folks calling me on the phone for prayer so and so gave me your number do you know I had to make an announcement I had had to change my phone said look if you meet somebody on the street that needs prayer you pray for them Just call my pastor. The devil is a liar. Ain't nobody got time for that. Mm -mm. Do you realize, what about the parable of the lost sheep? I'll get to that in a minute. What about the parable of the lost sheep? The shepherd leaves the 99. He leaves them behind. Yeah. Why is he able to leave the ninety-nine? It says he locks them securely in the pen. And then he leaves the ninety-nine. Meaning he knows they're safe. He knows they ain't going to leave in his absence. He knows they're not going to slack off in his absence. He makes sure they're secure. It's not that he doesn't care for the 99. Yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't mean he abandons the 99. The 99 stay because they've got his mind. They've got his heart. Yeah, they've got his yeah, vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They understand the master's going to get more. and bring. He's going after the lost sheep to bring the lost sheep into the pen. But, what, but listen, what do the 99 do when they stay behind in the pen waiting for the master? What do they do? What do sheep do? Wait. They not only wait; they multiply. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> 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 Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. This, this is a truth that y'all need to get. Sheep beget sheep. That's
1: a, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Shepherds do not beget sheep. Right? Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Christians are waiting for the shepherd, waiting for the pastor to to bring more sheep into the church. The church will grow when the pastor starts drawing more people. No, no, no. Sheep beget sheep. If you don't give birth to sheep, there ain't gonna be no more sheep in the church. I don't simply expect you to stay in the pen. I expect you to be fruitful and multiply. I expect you to give birth to sheep. Yeah. Yeah. And then here in our passage in John chapter 4, Jesus says to his disciples, first of all, i, I got to set this up so you know the, the context in which this occurs. John chapter 4 is when he's passing through Samaria and he comes to Jacob's well and he says to his disciples, I'm hungry, I want you to go down the road to in and out and I want you to get me a double-double, no-sauce, ketchup instead with onions, light well fries and a root beer. Sends them off. He sent them away because he knew he had an appointment they didn't yeah. know about. It was yeah. about 2:45 in the afternoon. He said, "Get get out! I got a Three o'clock. Y'all gotta go. Y'all gotta go." They leave. Three o'clock. Here comes this woman. Yeah. she comes to draw water. You guys know the story. The woman was the town outcast. Uh, she had had a lot of men's, and that was not common in that time. That was yeah. not. That was not looked upon favorably in that time. But Jesus knew this woman was coming. He had a divine appointment with this woman. So he waits. The woman comes. He says, give me something to drink. She says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask me a Samaritan for something to drink? You see, Jews and Samaritans didn't talk to one another. The Jews saw themselves as up here and saw the Samaritans as down here. And so if you were in public and you saw a Samaritan, you just went, (laughs) hmm. (laughs) <laughs> and and you kept walking. You just completely ignored. You didn't talk to that low class <laughs> citizen. But G- but secondly, a Jewish male would never speak to any kind of a woman yeah. in public. Even if she was a Jewish woman, he wouldn't talk to her in public because no, it's you know, it's just not common. It's not proper for a man to speak yeah. to a. Woman. Jesus is breaking two social norms yeah, here. Yeah yeah
1: yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: He's breaking down two barriers yeah. that would prevent him from reaching this person. He's. I don't care what country you're from, and I don't care what gender you are. Yeah. I'm going to talk to you. Why? Because yeah. everybody needs yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And thank God we serve a Lord Jesus who's willing to step over barriers. Yeah. And, yeah. and isn't it interesting that Jesus was the one who crossed the barrier to get to her instead of expecting her to cross the barrier yeah. to come to him? Yeah. Yeah. Do you realize that if you're going to give birth to sheep, you've got to be willing to cross some barriers to get to them? Instead of expecting everybody to come to you, how about you go to somebody's house and share the gospel with them? How about you go to their workplace and sit down and and have lunch with them? You've got to find out what the barriers are and cross them. But back to the story. (laughs) She says, how was it that you a Jew talk to me a Samaritan? He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who asked you for a drink, you'd ask him and he'd give you living water and you would never thirst again. Yeah. And she says, are you greater than our father Jacob who dug this well and drank from it himself and his sons? And Jesus says, everyone who drinks from this well will thirst again. But he who drinks the water that I give will never thirst again. Because that water is going to become a spring within you, springing yeah, forth yeah. into everlasting life. And she says, give me this water. Yeah so that I don't have to come to this well anymore. What's she saying? All of the women of the town drew from the well at 9 o'clock in the morning. This woman is coming at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Why? Because if she went at 9 o'clock in the morning, she would get ridiculed by all the other women yeah. in the town. We'll yeah. find out why in a second. She comes at 3 o'clock in the afternoon so she can come alone, undisturbed. Yeah. Hopefully nobody will notice her and she can get water for her family. She says, I'm sick and tired of making this journey to this well with all eyes on me. Yeah. Everybody in the town go there she goes. There goes that heifer now. On her way to get Mm water. Little fast thing. Mm -hmm. There she goes. See the way she's dressed? Mm -hmm. I'm sick and tired of feeling the eyes on me. I'm sick and tired of feeling the ridicule and the shame of this community. I'm sick and tired of being an outcast. Give me this water so I don't have to feel ashamed anymore. You see, oftentimes when we come to Jesus, it's because there's some kind of shame in our hearts that we are longing to get free from. Yeah. Jesus was able to reach this woman because he was able to identify her point of pain and her point of shame. And he offered her a remedy for her shame and her pain. Listen, you can't reach anybody if you cannot identify where they feel ashamed and where they feel pain. If you cannot offer Jesus as the remedy to their shame and their pain, you can't reach them. Uh Give me this water. At which point you would think Jesus would say, take my hand. Bow your head and repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you. But he doesn't. It's interesting to me that at the moment the woman is ready to say the prayer, Jesus doesn't lead her in the prayer. Because he knows her mind's ready to say the prayer, but her heart's not ready. And so if she were to say the prayer today, it would be premature. Let me tell you something. Evangelism is not simply going out on the street and getting as many people as possible to repeat after you. That is not evangelism. And one of the greatest fallacies in evangelical thinking is the idea that if you say the prayer, you are certainly saved. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes saying the prayer is simply drawing near with your lips while your heart is far from him. And we see people say the prayer, but don't bear any fruit of repentance because their heart was not ready for the prayer. Listen, you do a great disservice to people if you lead them in the prayer before they're ready.
1: Hmm.
0: She said, I'm ready to say the prayer. He says, okay, we're going to say it in a second. But before we do, go get your husband. (laughs) (laughs) She said, I'm, I'm not married. I don't have a husband. Yeah, you're right. You don't have a husband. You had five. And the man you're with now is not your husband. So you're right when you say you don't have your husband. Isn't it interesting? The gospel has to expose before it can cover. The gospel has to wound before it heals. Mm. One of the great problems in our culture is that people have come to Jesus without allowing Jesus to expose their hearts. And because their hearts have never been exposed, there's never been any real repentance. Notice she says, give me this water. And he says, go get your husband. Literally what he's saying to her is, you can't drink the water I give until you stop drinking the water that you've been drinking your entire life. You don't even identify the real source of your thirst. You see, this woman was thirsty for a man. She was thirsty. Thirsty. She was thirsty, thirsty, thirsty. She was so thirsty. (laughs) Thirsty as she could be. And she thought to herself, if I just get me a husband, all of the pain in my life will be covered. If I just had a husband, all of the shame that I'm feeling will be covered. If I just had a husband, everything in my life will be okay. I know what I need. I need a husband. And she got a husband. And she was so thankful. The Lord gave me a husband, but he kicked her to the curb so quick. Mm -hmm. Threw her out of his house. And she said, I know what I need now. Another husband. And she got another husband. And he kicked her to the curb so quick, and she said, If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. One thing I'm not is a quitter. I know what I need another husband. And she got a third husband, and he kicked her to the curb, and she said, See, the mistake I made last time, (laughs) I'm not going to make again. I know what I need this time. I need a husband. Isn't it funny that you find yourself falling into the same ditch again and again and again? You find yourself falling into the same trap again and again and again, and you get up thinking, you know what I need is to try to do the same thing again. Do you know the definition of bondage? Bondage is whatever causes you to work but gives nothing back to you in return. In fact, it takes from you. Yeah. You're in bondage if you're spinning your wheels to do something that is only taking from you Gosh, instead of giving back. You see, that's why we take drug addiction. Drug addiction is so bad because it takes everything from you and gives nothing to you and you have to work to get it and then when yeah. you get it, you get something that takes from you. That's why sexual addiction is so terrible because it takes everything from you and gives nothing back to you at the same time and in fact, the entire world of sin, that's all—that's the definition of sin. It's this entire world of yeah, bondage yeah, that yeah. takes everything from you and gives nothing to you in return. Yeah. but yet no matter how many times we're broken in that world we get up and say I think I need to go back and try it one more time. Uh, And she went through five divorces and the sixth man that she was with wouldn't even give her his name. He would only give her his bed. And she said, I'll take it. Jesus says, you're not ready to drink? Until you recognize that you've been drinking from the wrong source. Yeah. You can't begin to drink from the right source. Yeah. A lot of people love to call on the name of Jesus, but they have not departed from iniquity. Yeah, yeah, if yeah, you have yeah, not yeah. looked at your, your previous life of sin and says, this is wrong, but yeah. Jesus is right. If you have not looked at your past and says, I was wrong when I was walking with him, when I, before I was walking with him, but now that I'm walking with him, I'm going to walk in the right way. If you don't see Jesus is right and, the, and your old way as wrong, you are not saved. Yeah. Wow. go get your husband. I don't have a husband. You're right, you don't have a husband. You had five, the one you would now is not your husband. She says, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. She doesn't go immediately to repentance. She's just amazed. Huh. Yeah. As if, wow, a great magician has just done a cool trick. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. <sighs> Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Now she wants to talk theology. Hmm. Yeah. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews say worship on that mountain. But when Messiah comes, he'll tell us all things. And Jesus says, No, 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 no. The day is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship neither on that mountain nor on this mountain. Yeah. But the true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. For these are the the kind of worshipers that the Father is seeking. Do you hear what he's saying? Do you know what it is to worship in spirit and in truth? It means to worship from a place of total and complete surrender from the inside of your heart. And that place of complete surrender is facilitated by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it's not about the place, it's not about the location, it's not about the position you're in. Some people think if you worship, you got to get on your knees and clasp your hands. God doesn't care nothing about whether your hands are clasped or not. The worst thing you can do in front of religious people is pray with your eyes open. And people are like, ah, your eyes were open during that prayer, I saw it. (laughs) Well, then your eyes must have been open too. Telling somebody you saw their eyes open during prayer is the worst kind of hypocrisy. Because yeah. Yeah. nowhere in the Bible does it say that your eyes must be closed when you pray. That's called religion. That's called legalism. Don't think that just because your eyes are closed, God hears you. And just because your eyes are open, he doesn't. Don't think that just because your eyes are closed, you're spiritual. And because your eyes are open, you're not. It has nothing to do with position. It has to do with spirit and truth. It has to do with what's going on on the inside of your heart. Truth. He desires truth in the inward parts. It's about whole surrender to God from the inside of your heart out. And this is the prerequisite for repentance. Because repentance presupposes that you have concluded that Jesus is right about my life. And I am wrong about my life. And she says, when Messiah comes, he'll tell us all things. And Jesus says, you want to hear a secret? (laughs) I haven't told this to anybody yet. Not even to my own disciples. Matter of fact, I sent them away because I wanted to tell you this. They weren't ready to hear it yet, but you are. See, I know everybody in this town thinks lowly of you but I see that you're ready for this revelation. Wow. I who speak to you, that Messiah guy that you're waiting for, he is I and I is him. <laughs> <laughs> What's my name? No, I'm just saying. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I had to throw that in. <laughs> that was the NIV the Negro international version. <laughs> sorry, my bad, my bad, my bad. <laughs> sorry, my bad, my bad. Sorry, <laughs> my bad, my sorry. My mom was here, I'm gonna get slapped after this, I know. <laughs> By the way, if you, if you see my mom slap me, depending on where she slaps me, it could be a good thing. If she slaps me on the top of my head or on the back of my head, that's a good thing. And if she ever slaps you in either of those places, it's a good thing too. I've had people come from afar to ask my mom for a slap. But if she slaps you across the face, (laughs) I've been the recipient of both kinds of slaps. I I fluently understand (laughs) what she means. I might get the other kind of slap today. All right. I'm, I'm going to take some time this morning. Is that okay? Because yeah. y'all ain't going to see me for 13 weeks. Just get over it. Yeah. He says, I who speak to you am he. Yeah. And just then, the disciples walk up with bags of in and out <laughs> And they see Jesus talking to this strange woman. And they're like, what in the world is what the heck? And they're looking, they don't want to say nothing because it's Jesus. Yeah. But they're like, Yeah. Jesus done lost his mind. Does he know who this woman is? We ain't supposed to be talking to women. I mean, he would have lost his mind if he saw me talking to a woman. What's he doing talking to a woman? He trying to holler or something? What's going on? And they just walk up and it's just this awkward moment. And they're looking at the woman crazy and they're looking at each other and they're looking at Jesus and Jesus is just sitting there smiling and the woman, notice she leaves without saying a word she sees them coming and she just kind of just kind of backs up on out of there and it says she left her water pot behind she forgot what she was doing there she forgot what she came there to get because she got something that she didn't come there to get she left and then the disciples, they, they were afraid to ask Jesus, what are you doing? So they're like, all right, here goes your food. You're, you're, got your double-double no-sauce ketchup instead with onions. You notice how I gave you my orders there? And I repeated it twice just if you ever go to In-N-Out, you know, once I get to my goal weight and I can eat In-N-Out. But anyway, I still got 29 more pounds to go. But so so um, here goes your In-N-Out. And he says, I'm not hungry they are like, okay, hold on, hold up. What do you mean you're not hungry? I have food to eat that you know not of. I got food that you don't know nothing about. Y'all don't know nothing about my food. Yeah. But Lord, you sent us to get some, did somebody else bring him some food? Did that woman give him some food? <laughs> did he get some Samaritan food? <laughs> and they start talking, they start bickering among themselves. It's our job to bring him food. You notice you get offended because you, this is my ministry. Wow. This is my department. This is my, listen, while we're gone, territorialism is not allowed up in this place, okay? Yeah. That spirit of terror. How oh dear, that's my job. This is my ministry. <laughs> Nothing is your ministry. Nothing is my ministry. It's all his ministry. Yeah. That's it, right? That's right. That's it. Who brought Jesus food? I'm appalled. (laughs) This is an outrage. She said, no, no, no. Nobody brought me food. I said, what are you talking about? You have food to eat that we know nothing about. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And then he starts talking crazy. Do you not say four more months? And then comes the harvest. Behold. I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white under harvest. And the disciples are like, what in the world is he talking about? We went from in and out to fields white under harvest. What is he talking about? We just want to know how you ate and you're talking about fields white. We, nobody said nothing about the harvest. Because Jesus knew something that they didn't know. Yeah. He knew what that woman was doing when she left. He knew. He knew the effect of his words. He knew that while the disciples are standing there confused looking at bags of in and out this woman was going into the town and preaching to everybody she could find. Come a man that told me everything I ever done. Is he not the Messiah? He knew that a revival was getting ready to break forth in this town. He knew that any minute the crowds were coming, the multitudes were coming, and that lives would be changed and that there would be salvation in the land. He saw what they didn't see and he was already rejoicing. He says, I'm too excited to eat. I'm too excited to eat. Why are you too excited to eat? Just wait and see what's about to happen. The people who are going to come, the lives that are going to be changed. I'm too excited to eat, I'm being nourished by doing the will of the Father. Put that food away. There's something more important. We're not going to sit around a campfire singing kumbaya and roasting marshmallows. We're going to reach this city. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. 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 And all of the sudden, all of a sudden, as the disciples are standing there confused, people start coming from the north. They start coming from the south. They start coming from the east. They start coming from the west. Multitudes coming from every which direction. And the disciples are going, How did we get these people here? Where did they come from? Who made a graphic and, and put it on Facebook and invited them? Who made a promo video and, and put it up? There? Who's the director of marketing for this campaign? And, and are, are we ready to sustain this many people? We don't, we don't, and how are we gonna feed them and they come and, and we don't have enough community group leaders to 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 take care of them. And and the disciples are freaking out. Because they don't have the resources. I don't care if you have the resources. I have the resources. I've got everything we need. So let them come from the north and the south. Let them. We say to the north. Let them go. And to the south. Do not hold them back. We call them from the east and from the west. And what the disciples didn't know was that it wasn't an Instagram campaign that drew them and it wasn't a promo video that drew them and it wasn't cool graphics that drew them. It wasn't a smoke machine that drew them. It wasn't cool worship that drew them. There were no music and there was no overheads and there was no multimedia, you know what it was? It was a woman whose life was changed who went into the town to tell them about Jesus. The only thing that drew them to Jesus was a woman whose life was changed who said, I gotta tell you what's happened to me. Are you hearing me this morning? Something better be getting stirred up on the inside of you this morning. Come on, somebody, listen to me. Listen, 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 listen. Marketing and branding can draw people to the church, but only transformed lives can draw people to Jesus. I came to the church because I saw an ad, but I came to Jesus because I saw a life change. If your life has been changed, you are the greatest marketing that we have ever had. If your life has been transformed, you are the greatest branding that the gospel ever needed. Listen, if you don't go out and tell them what Jesus did for your life, if you don't go out and invite them to come and see Jesus, no one will come. I've heard from God, folks. The Lord has decreed a summer of salvation. Because I know some of you are thinking, Four more months, and then comes the harvest. Three more months, and then PB&PS will come back from their sabbatical, and then comes the harvest. The enemy would have you to postpone the harvest until after the sabbatical. Four more months, and then comes the harvest. We just got to hold out the bloodstained banner over the summer. I'm telling you that God has decreed a summer of salvation. Lift up your eyes and look at the fields. Even right now, they are white unto harvest. Right now, it is time for salvation. Right now, not tomorrow, not later. Yes. We are constantly postponing the harvest, aren't we? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's going to be a harvest one day. One day God's going to send the right people and then there will be a harvest. One day God's going to raise up the right voices and then there will be a harvest. One day God's going to send the Holy Spirit and then there will be a harvest. Jesus says, quit postponing the harvest. It's not one day, it's today. The fields are white today. The question is not whether or not the fields are ready for harvest. The question is whether the laborers are ready. The question is not the fields. The question is always the laborers. The seeds have been sown. The harvest has grown. The question is, where are the laborers? The question is, will you be a laborer? Mm -hmm. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 5 says, He who gathers in summer is a wise son. But he who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. Are you going to be a wise son over the summer? The summer is harvest time. It's time to gather. Are you going to sleep in harvest or are you going to be a wise son who gathers in harvest? Uh, The field is white unto harvest and they're coming to the house of God. The question is, when they get here at 11 a.m., will there be 10 of you sitting in the room? Are they going to come to an... Because, you know, when people visit a church for the first time, they come early. But the mature saints think, well, I don't need the first 20 minutes of worship. I'm just going to show up at about 1125, 1130. (laughs) Why? Because you're a consumerist in your mind, and you just go to get what you think you need. But if you think in terms of the harvest... Your mindset changes. If you have a mindset of multiplication, your mindset is different. Your mindset says, they're coming. The harvest is coming at 11. I've got to be there to care for the harvest. Matter of fact, I better get there at 10 for pre-service prayer to prepare the atmosphere for the harvest. I'm not just going to church to receive. I'm going to pray for somebody. The harvest is coming. I want to serve the harvest. I want to do something for the harvest. If you're, Amen. listen, if you're willing to sow in the harvest, there will be a harvest. Amen. Yes. The harvest Amen. is coming. Amen. The question is, where are the laborers? Jesus was always turning his disciples into laborers Amen. for his harvest.
1: Yeah.
0: And they were always resenting him for it, weren't they? <laughs> He would gather 5,000 people and teach them for three days. And the disciples go, Lord, will you stop teaching and send these people home for God's sake? Yeah. <laughs> these people are hungry. And Jesus looks at him, you feed them. You feed them. Okay, Lord, you're talking nonsense right now, okay? Eight months wages wouldn't be enough to give each of these people one bite. He says, what do you got? We just got this little boy's lunch. Jesus says, that's enough. Give it to me. Jesus had a different mindset. Yeah. His mindset was, there's always enough. Yeah. Yeah. There's always enough. Yeah. Yeah. The enemy yeah. would constantly yeah. implant in your mind. There's not enough. There's not, a, there's not enough servants in the house. There's not, there. there's not, a, there's not enough people. there. There's not enough. There's not enough. You know why? Because he wants you to postpone the harvest. Wow. If you think there's not enough, then we got to postpone the harvest. There's not enough, we got to postpone the harvest. There's not enough, we got to postpone. There's enough! Yes! Yeah. 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 There's enough labors. There's enough of you. Yes. If you have the right mindset. Yeah. If you have the right mind. A yes. mindset of multiplication. Yeah. God has decreed a summer of salvation. There will be a summer. God gave me Isaiah chapter 9 verse 3. And it says, you have, you have increased the nation. You have, you have, you have blessed. I got to read it to you. Because I, 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 the devil done took that one. I, I lost it. And, <clears throat> and I'm too excited about this one. I don't know why I, I had it. But it says, you have multiplied the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest yeah. as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. Wow. You have multiplied the nation and increased their joy. And they rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest. You know what my vision is? That when Sonny and I return to this place on September 1st, 2019, we are going to rejoice according to the joy of the harvest. We're gonna walk in this place and look and see that there is a harvest that has been reaped. We're gonna look, we're gonna look and we're gonna rejoice according to the joy of the harvest. And guess what? And this is the powerful thing, it's not coming through my preaching. Yeah. It's not coming through Pastor Sunday's preaching. You know who's preaching to to? It's coming through Pastor Daniel's preaching. Yeah. It's coming through Jeremy's preaching. Yeah. It's coming through Anna's preaching. It's coming through Chinway's preaching. It's coming through Dyrell's preaching. It's coming through Amy's preaching. Right? It's coming. There's voices you're going to hear over this summer that you haven't heard before. Stuff that God has put in people that you need. It's coming through Emily's preaching. It's coming through Jimmy's yeah. Yeah. preaching and you're going to hear from my mama this summer on both sides of the bay and y'all better get ready you better wear some fire retardant suits on that day I'm just saying I don't know if y'all are ready you need to start fasting and praying now (laughs) that the Lord will prepare you for that day lest you be consumed with fire (laughs) (laughs) Pastor Robert Daniels is coming over the summer to both sides of the bay He's going to preach on both sides of the bay. Prepare your hearts to receive. You've got to incline your ear when that man speaks because sometimes he speaks things that are difficult to understand. <laughs> he opens his mouth in parables sometimes. And <laughs> but it's powerful if you're listening. If you're listening with your spirit and not just with your ears, you've got to open your ears and listen at a higher level. But listen, it's going to happen through your preaching. It's going to happen to why? Because you're going to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come. Yeah. You're going to look around and say, There should never be an empty seat in the house of the Lord. Because yeah, 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 the yeah. news is too good. Yeah. Amen. Glory, glory, glory. Yeah. All right, I'll end with this. I've been talking for too glory, long anyway. Glory, glory. The Lord stirred my heart. I, I remembered a message I preached several years ago called Give Me the Body. It was a message based on uh, the story of Joseph of Arimathea. And um, when I was a Bible college student, I was in prayer one day. and as I was seeking the face of God and I was crying out to God and the prayer I used to pray was, show me what you want me to do. Show me what you would have me to do. Show me, I want to know my calling. I want to know I want to know what you would have me to do. Yeah. See, see there's, there's two different ways to, to approach your destiny. The first way is just to stir up your own visions and dreams. This is what I want to do. And I want to do this and I want to do that. And, I, and another is to seek the face of God. Say, what do you want me to do? Yeah. A little bit softer. What do you want me to do? Huh. And I was in prayer one day and I was crying out to the Lord asking, what do you want me to do? And all of a sudden I saw this image of Joseph of Arimathea standing before Pontius Pilate the limp body of Jesus hangs on the cross and Joseph of Arimathea stands before Pontius Pilate and Mark says that he moved with boldness and courage meaning he had to muster up the courage to do this because he was exposing himself he had become a disciple of Jesus but nobody knew it but this was a time in which you could be put to death for being a disciple of Jesus But he says, I'm going to take the risk. And he goes to Pontius Pilate and he, it says, he says, give me the body. Give me the body of Jesus. Give me the body. And the scripture says, Pontius Pilate gave him the body. It says, to him was given charge of the body of Jesus. And that whole passage just came before me. It was like I saw it play out on a a movie screen. And the Lord spoke to me and said, son, take charge of my body take charge of my body
1: yeah.
0: but you know what I realized in that moment I just wept before the Lord in that moment I just wept. that was my calling to take charge of the body of Christ but I realized that the body of Christ that he was calling me to take charge of was not the living body he didn't show me an image of Jesus working miracles and said, go take charge of that body an image of Jesus gathering thousands saying go take charge of that body so no everybody wants that body Anybody would serve the living body. You had a church of 3,000 people and, and, and it's multitudes of cash and huge building. Anybody would serve that body. But the dead body? The body that hangs limp from the cross? The body that's lifeless, that's not working anymore, miracles? The body that seems to be coming to the end? Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, that's the body that I want you to take charge of. Wherever the body is broken, that's where I'm going to send you. I found myself on the other side of the world a year ago dealing with the broken body. And over and over again throughout my ministry, the Lord has sent me to the broken body where it's broken down, where there's no life in it, where there's no miracles. He says, give me this body. And I found myself in prayer on the other side of the world in the midst of one of the worst situations in a church that I've ever seen happen in my life. But I found myself one morning giving Jesus thanks. Thank you for sending me here. Because you needed someone to take charge of your body in this place. And I can't believe you chose me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. believe you gave me the opportunity to serve your body in this place. I can't believe. Give me the body. Do you know that's the heart that God wants to stir up in this house yes, this morning. Yes, yes. You know what? It's not about, we tend, to, we tend to think way too practically. It starts with the heart. Yes. The heart that says, give me the body. Yeah. Give me the body. For some of you, as I've been serving in this church, I've been, I've been going to this church way too long and I haven't served nothing. Yeah. I've been a consumerist for too long. Now give me the body. Yeah. 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 I've been coming late to church for way too long. I'm thinking like a consumerist. Mm-hmm. Give me the body. Yeah. I need to find somebody to serve. Some of you think, well, I need to be taught more. I need, I need more teaching. That's a lie that the devil tells believers. Come on. Come on. Let, me, let me tell you something. Do you realize I've been preaching from this place for the last 15 years? And I've preached more than 10 million words from this place. Do you realize that that's enough for a master's degree?
1: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Some of you have a master's degree in my preaching, and even if you haven't been here the whole 15 years, some of you got an AA, some of you got a BA, <laughs> and some of you got a BS because you hadn't been listening. <laughs> got enough teaching.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: You've been receiving for long enough. Yeah. Now it's time to give. Yes. You need to look around and see the 20% of the people who have been doing 80% of the work in this house and rise up and say, it's time for me yeah. to get involved. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Now it's time for my ministry. Look, yeah. I'm, I'm going to end with this. Okay, I promise. This is the last thing. The Warriors. The Golden State Warriors. I don't care what team you root for. This is the word of the Lord. Not this is this is God's word, not mine. They were facing an insurmountable obstacle. How are you going to face a team of the caliber of the Portland Trailblazers? Wait, who did they play in the last series? Houston Rock, Houston Rockets. Yeah, sorry. This last one, Portland. Yeah, I got that right, Portland. How are you going to face the Portland Trailblazers without KD or Cousins? They can't do it. Even Charles Barkley said they couldn't do it. It's terrible. It's just terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> do you know what happened when they realized we got to do this without KD and Cousins? We've got to return to our fundamental strategy. What's their fundamental strategy? Strength in numbers. Do you know what they're, they, and, and I heard Steve Kerr say this. said, we forgot about strength in numbers. We forgot about strength in numbers. We just, our strategy was give it to KD. <laughs> That's our strength, Give it to KD. But now KD's out. Do you know what we got to return to? Strength in numbers. And what if the team said, we ain't got KD or cousins? We're out. We might as well just give up. We might as well not even try. I mean, we're going to go through the most. No, they rose up and said, "You know what? I'm taking my place." Steph stepped up and said, "I'm about to remember who I am." And and, and Clay stood up and said, "I'm about to remember who I am." His mama called him Clay. I'm going to call him Clay. He stepped up and said, "I'm about to remember who I am." Iguodala stepped up and said, "I'm about to remember who I am." Draymond stepped up and said, "And now I remember my role on this team." And the entire bench rose up and said, "I'm ready for you to put me in. If you need two minutes, you're going to get the best two minutes out of me." Yeah. Coach, if you put me in, I'm going to produce strength in numbers. And they went to a whole nother level. Players on that team played like they had never played before. And they swept Houston. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, sorry. They swept Portland. (laughs) The devil is confusing me this morning. Listen, KD and Cousins are about to leave. Actually, she's KD, I'm Cousins. <laughs> KD and Cousins are about to step out for a while. But your strength is strength in numbers. Yeah. And I know the immature among you are going to take the whole summer off because you come to see PB and PS. But the mature among you, you're about to go to a whole nother level. Yeah. Because you come to see Jesus. And I believe that the heart that the Holy Spirit is stirring up in this house today is the heart of Joseph of Arimathea. Give me the body. I'm ready. Why? It said he waited for the kingdom of God. What does that mean? He knew there was going to be a resurrection. But before the resurrection could come, there had to be a Joseph to take him down from the cross. I'm telling you, the resurrection is upon us. There's about to be a new surge of salvations, about to be a new surge of growth in this house. There's going to be a summer of salvation, but there's got to be some Josephs in the house who would rise up and say, I'm ready, I'm ready to serve the body of Christ. Give me the body. Bow your head right now. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you'd pour out the spirit of Joseph of Arimathea upon every soul. And I pray for the mindset of multiplication to be born in every heart and every soul remove small thinking from our hearts and minds. It's time for the harvest. Now it's time for the harvest. And I thank you, Father. I thank you so much that you're not using me and Sonny as the ones to reap this harvest. Because at the end of this summer, you're going to get the glory for it and not us at the end of this summer, everyone will see that this wasn't about PB and PS. This was about the spirit of the living God. Yeah, 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 and this yeah. was about the body of Christ rising up saying, now yes. it's our turn. Now it's our, now it's my turn. I thank you that at the end of this, the fruit of this will not only be salvation yes. but new ministries in the house. There's going to be new individuals rising up to places. I can't wait to hear the testimonies. I can't wait to hear the staff say, PV, wait till you, wait till you see what this person did. And wait till you hear what this person said. And yes. wait till you see how this, wait till you see how this person rose up. And wait till you see this ministry. And wait till yes. you you, yeah, wait yeah, till yeah, you hear yeah, what this person yeah. preached. Yeah. Yes. Father, I thank you that you're doing it in Jesus' name. Now listen, I want you to just keep. Your-